0: How are you doing it? I'm a crazy person.
1: (laughs) (laughs) America's medical system needs healing. Free to Care has real solutions. Our mission is to magnify the voice of the patient and physician. We want to take medicine back to its original purpose. Join host, Dr. Nikki Johnson, for Free to Care, the podcast. For conversations, and lowering prices, making prices transparent, personalizing medical care, taking bureaucrats out of the system to bring you more choices for your health care doctor, we know that health care is personal, not partisan. Join us live Fridays at 8 p.m. Eastern for Free to Care, the podcast. Okay, all right. I love the intro. Awesome. I just fixed that. That's the new intro. So you get to be here when we debut the very very new intro. Yes, I did. Wow. And I was practicing my breathing and everything going through. (laughs) So it's just so interesting. I'm (laughs) totally impressed. I really all right. right. So hi everybody. Let's see how many people have tuned in so far. Any we got five people on. Hi, everybody. Good. So Everybody's been, welcome to this uh, fourth episode of Free to Care, the podcast. Um, I am your host, Dr. Nikki Johnson, and I have guest Dr. Kimberly Corba with me tonight. Um, We'll introduce her in a sec, but tonight um, is the moment that a lot of you have been waiting for. A lot of people have been asking me in the Twitterverse um, and on another podcast that I did with um, the Conscious Conservative Media Network, host Ms. Pinky. Um, we talked about what is it that we can do to actually lower the cost of healthcare? Well, tonight's episode, we're going to talk about how you've really been told lies about the whole thing. Healthcare itself is unaffordable and expensive. It is a huge market. It's a huge wreck. It's a huge production, but the medical care, the actual care you get from seeing a doctor, Um, And uh, getting your supplies, getting your pharmaceuticals, all of that, everything that goes into that is affordable. So Dr. Korba here is a family medicine physician who owns and runs a direct primary care practice. Um, welcome to the show tonight, Dr. Thank Corba. you for having me. Thank awesome. you. so. Thank you so much. I've been so excited about this. There are so many people who actually do not know what direct primary care is. Um, but first just, you know, introduce yourself, tell everybody, you know, who you are, what you do for a living, maybe a little bit about your practice and then how you got affiliated with Care. Okay. Sounds and good. And a little bit about DPC action too, just sort of oh, give sure. you like, you know, a couple liner about who you are. Okay.
0: Um, Thank you for the wonderful introduction and thanks for giving me the opportunity to be here tonight. Um, So um, again, my name's Dr. Kimberly Leg Corba. I live in Allentown, Pennsylvania and um, I've been in practice for 24 years. I'm board certified uh, family medicine and I have a very small independent practice here in Allentown. I actually opened uh, opened it in 2003 and literally hung a shingle and just started with zero patients and slowly built up the practice. I took insurance back then, and I took insurance for 13 years until uh, 2015, when I saw an amazing talk given by Dr. Josh Umber, who is one of the gurus and uh, original uh, pioneers in direct primary care and the whole movement. saw a talk given by him at AFP that inspired me to uh, decide to transition my practice from an insurance-based practice to direct primary care. So that transition took place um, through the last quarter of 2015 and we opened uh, the doors as a direct primary care practice in January of 2016. So I'm in my sixth year right now of DPC. And um, basically, so I, I'm basically a community doctor. It's uh, I've always been kind of the old time family doctor um, that I grew up with and a lot of us grew up with. And um, basically all I did was transition the way people were paying for their primary care um, by getting rid of the insurance. Uh, if if you're wondering, or if anybody's wondering why I did that, I had a full, very successful practice um, pretty much Put a bomb in the middle of it when I decided to transition. And it was a risk because I was the first one in this area to do it. Um, There were many other GPC practices across the country and in this state, but I was the first one in this area, which is uh, we have a population here in the Lehigh Valley of about 800,000 and it's growing rapidly um, as people move out of New York and New Jersey for various reasons. Um, And we have two very large hospital systems. Very heavily insurance dominated, um, so it was it was definitely a risk. Uh, but it was I felt like it was something I needed to do for my patients and uh, for myself, so I could keep providing the care I wanted to and practice medicine the way I wanted to for my patients.
1: So, Kim, um, can you can you pause here and just go backtrack a little bit and tell people what practicing was like before you switched to DPC, and then then what enticed you about? Um, a dpc that you know prompted you to make this switch
0: so when i first opened the practice i knew there was a few things i could control as far as my overhead i wanted to keep my overhead low in 2003 and moving forward and i knew there were certain overhead costs i could control and certain ones i couldn't um and i did a really good job of keeping my overhead low enough that i could spend longer time with my patients in the beginning, you know, in 2003 on, it really started getting bad in 2010. That's when I started feeling the crunch that I couldn't spend the time with my patients and so much administrative stuff, you know, with the advent of the EHR, I had paper charts. Um, A lot of doctors Mm -hmm. had paper charts back then. Um, You know, with the advent of the EHR and all of the regulatory things that were coming down the pike and all the data collection that started from the insurance companies, um, it was really just eroding it was stressing my staff out I found I found that they couldn't spend as much time on the things they were supposed to because of all the administrative burdens that that were happening. I wasn't being able to spend as much time with my patients we were you know I was clicking boxes and and um, do, you know, reporting things that I didn't need to report because they were getting done anyway. Nobody needed to babysit me and the insurance companies certainly didn't. But my my reimbursement was starting to get, um, was starting to depend on me following all of these things that the insurance companies were mandating, which was useless activity. And it was yeah. all, you know, all to control costs and to make sure their profit margins stayed high. I mean, yeah. So let's
1: let's pause there. Just let everybody know that too. So when you go see a doctor and they're clicking away on the computer as they are talking to you, or after they get, get done talking with you, they have to check certain boxes um, in order for your insurance company to, uh, and that includes Medicare, especially, um, and Medicaid. You have to include these, check these boxes, make sure these things are are documented that you actually did. You know you did, your nurses know you did, your patient mm-hmm. know, you, know you did, but they need to know that it was done um, on this day in order for them to actually pay the clinic, the hospital, or the doctor and or the doctor uh, right. for the service that you got that day. So just so and you know, that, that's what that means. Okay. They will and t- it costs money to do that. It costs it, money to have somebody. It, and um, being in a small office, I think it was really
0: magnified in my office because I had limited staff and that was part of me controlling the overhead. So I could bring the best service I could to my patients um, and spend the time with them. And my staff was totally stressed out. I was stressed out. And it was almost insulting because I know how to manage a blood pressure and a blood sugar. I don't need to report that my patients, my diabetics, hemoglobin A1C is below 8 or 7.5. And if it's not, I'm working on it with the patient. Why? And so, like, I still have the reports in my office. I've kept them. They're almost 10 years old now. And, you know, they would put you in a tier of reimbursement based on you know, and if I had a whole population of hard to control or non compliant diabetics, my ratings would go down, but I might be yes. working on getting them to be compliant. But in the meantime, my reimbursement went down. Then insurance companies wanted to hear nothing about, you know, the patient's really difficult. We're trying to, I'm making headway, but you're going to cut my reimbursement because mm-hmm. I'm actually taking on a difficult patient who's, who's struggling and I'm trying to help. Um, so it really felt like um it's kind of like an insult, like we were being babysat with the yeah. with the stupid
1: data stuff. Oh, so and take into account all of the all of the, the factors that you can't control. Say right. you know your patient is chronically ill or they're the the sole caregiver for an elderly parent or a chronically ill child or they can't afford their insulin, which we'll talk about. Well, um, right you know, all of those things.
0: <laughs> and you you bring up a really good point because if a patient isn't well, in this pandemic's a perfect example. Everybody's blood sugars and blood pressures went off the charts. Everybody gained, well, a lot of people gained weight. Some people lost weight. But I mean, imagine the data during this pandemic because oh, wow. I've, been yeah. chasing, I've been chasing everybody's blood pressure and cholesterols and blood sugars all year. And I understand because there were extenuating circumstances, this pandemic has affected people in countless ways. But if you have to submit that data, if I would have to submit it to insurance, my reimbursement would have dropped this year. Yeah. You can't control what happened outside with the pandemic and how emotionally or physically uh, it had affected people. So ridiculous! I got fed up with it, um, and even though I was rating really high with the insurance companies and with our local hospital system, who was also collecting data, mm-hmm. um, it just what I just wasn't how I was taught to practice, and. Um, I, it wasn't what my original, you know, my, I went back to my original mission statement in 2003 mm. and I had veered way off. And okay. I thought now is it, I got to reel this in or, you know, I, I have to make a decision. So that's when I decided direct primary care was what I wanted to try. And um, I could have sold my practice for a lot of money to the hospital. Uh, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to, I didn't want to keep, being on the hamster wheel. So anyway, it was a risk and, um, it's obviously I'm here six years later. So <laughs> it's Dang. working. yeah. And, uh, my patients are happy and, um, gosh, I spent, I had three patients today. I spent an hour with each one of them and it wasn't just the, it was for physicals, but we talked about all of their chronic, uh, issues, a few acute issues mixed in. When I Took insurance, you couldn't do that. You couldn't do a physical and an acute visit. You'd have to tell them to come back, or if they had a new chronic issue, they wanted to. Talk. You ha- the billing wouldn't allow you to do that. So I also got tired of telling people, "I'm sorry, I can only talk about two or three things today. You're going to have to book another appointment to come back, take more time off from work, sit in my waiting room longer, pay another copay." That's ridiculous. Yep. Yep. So. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's that. That is the key. A lot of and a lot of people don't understand that, and they will blame the doctor. That oh, they didn't want to talk about my this, this, and this, <laughs> this thing that was really bothering me, even though I was there for a physical. Well, that's why. Or you know, that you call in and the doctor tells you they need you to come in. Well, it's they they have to document these certain things in order for you to get you know your insurance will pay for this otherwise you're getting a big fat bill bill too you don't think about that um but on Mm -hmm. the other end got to pay the bills to keep the doors open gotta gotta pay the people who work there too and
0: then well you know suppose they come in with five problems you can only talk about two or three how do you know which one you know it could be chest pain shortness of breath numbness in the feet urinary tract infection um sore throat You have to decide which ones are most important and pray that the other ones aren't leading to something else before they come back and see you again. I mean, it's just ridiculous. So for the amount of money people are paying, including my family, for health insurance, um, people wouldn't pay this much for their car insurance or their homeowners if they were getting this kind of service. Right. Yep. And you
1: would you would have the option to switch. Right. right, you. If you weren't that's happy right. or satisfied with that insurance because they weren't giving you what you you thought you were paying for, you, you just just go and switch. You get online and compare rates, and you yep. pick another one, and yep. and take your money and go yep. elsewhere. And transparency, yes. Mm-hmm. So that's yep. the other thing. Direct primary care. I
0: love being. We are a hundred percent transparent about our pricing. Um, I dispense medications generic medications out of my office like my family doctor did when I was little we would go in and have our sore throat walk out with our little white envelope with our amoxicillin in it and um, you know so I can dispense any generics through a wholesaler and we transparently market up a small percentage to cover bottles and label labels because we dispense in the office and um, pay, even if patients have low co-pays for their most of my patients have insurance some don't um, but even if they have a low copay for their medications, just the conven- they'll they'll just take it from the office because it's just so convenient. And um, and when they see the price difference between and I can pull up some of my prices. I mean, uh, ninety days of generic um, amlodipine is like less than two dollars. Right. Yeah. So you guys, that's
1: a blood pressure medication. Right. <laughs> right there. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's a common one used in black people.
0: Right. <laughs> so A lot of
1: my right. peeps, my peeps watching this. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's how much it costs, but that's not how much you're paying at the pharmacy. Nope. 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 And met Foreman with, with is, your insurance, is, but it, that's what
0: I'm saying. Okay. Right. With your insurance. Yeah. And so where's the markup happening and who's keeping that money for what you're paying for your insurance? That's, it's like the biggest uh, heist in history. I I really believe that.
1: Yeah. All right. So, okay, Um, there's so much to go over and an (laughs) hour is like a cheating amount of time. But I I really what I really want to get is um, uh, I I know how you got in free to care. Everybody else, you know, can get that. You know, the free to care really stands for helping us get back to that, to that original. um, I'm you you. I'm a patient. I want to come see my doctor. I actually have a problem or I want to stay healthy. Um, and I, I want this relationship between me and my doctor to be this way. I want to choose my doctor myself. Um, I want to be able to shop around if I don't. You know, if I don't make a good connection, I want it to be something that I can pay for and I want to be able to get my medications if I need them or services at at lower cost. So we know that and this is what free to care wants. And direct primary care is one of those um, huge components of free to care um, that is 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 we're we're trying to let everybody know is the way to kind of cut those costs it's not the only way but it is it is a it is a big step um to get back to doctor and patient
0: we're so. yeah and we're not the only we're not the solution we're a solution that's working despite all of the barriers that have that are been uh that are in our way and um uh, we have figured out ways to overcome those barriers and I just look at direct primary care as an example that something can grow out of that, um, or you can use us as an example to make changes in regulations and um, and law and you know legislation. Uh, we're not going to take over the world, and it's not for everybody. But right. you know, I look at the words "free to care," and selfishly, I think I'm free to care about my care for my patients and care about them the way I want to. Um, yeah. And on the patient side, because this is all for the patients, uh, it doesn't matter if the it doesn't matter what I think if the patients aren't happy and aren't getting Correct. the care that they need. It's all about the patients. So if a patient looks at free to care, I, I look at it as they have the freedom to decide what care they get. Correct. More and choices.
1: Yeah. Right. Yep. No. Okay. So let's go now while we're on the patient. So, so the viewers who are watching are predominantly not physicians. They, they are people who, who want to, want to know how we can lower this, how we can, how I can pay less going to the doctor, how I can get the services that I need. Um, and what can you tell them about, like, just what you can go with your specific practice or just kind of in general about direct primary care that, that, um, how it would be like, what is what does it work? Like, how is their monthly fee? Do I pay like a membership fee? Is it like, you know, going to the gym or is it Verizon? Um, oh <laughs> what, what is it like? So um,
0: we like to say you can binge on your health care and it's like the Netflix model or Costco membership. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, you pay and, and most doctors charge a monthly fee, a member medical service fee. Um, some will do it quarterly, some do it annually, and I'll I'll explain the difference between us and concierge care in a second, there is a difference. Um, we consider ourselves more of concierge care for the masses without, but we don't take insurance and concierge takes insurance. And again, I'll explain that in a second, but most of us do a monthly membership fee. That's less than your cell phone bill. Um, it can range, you know, from anywhere, generally like twenty dollars a month for kids, up to hundred dollars a month for some of our seniors. Mostly, it's age based. Um, and basically, that's you never bring any money to the office. There's no copays. Um, you get same day, next day appointments for acute visits. We do a lot of telemedicine. So, on a side note, when COVID happened, our our ability to shift to telemedicine was seamless. Um, we didn't have to worry about the reimbursement or what CMS was saying for Medicare and Medicare reimbursement, which hung up the doctors and hung up the patients, too, during the, the first four weeks of COVID. We were already, you know, we just switched right to telemedicine. Um, so you can have, I could see a patient every day in my office and there's no extra charge. I can see them once every six months. I could see them once a month. I could, I could you know, it, there's no limit on the, the visits. And um, most of the, our visits, most of us book half-hour visits because we have a smaller patient panel, um, so we can we can give that time to our patients. Um, I do one-hour physicals and one-hour pap smears. If a patient has five issues they want to discuss, I'll, my front desk knows to book me an hour. Nobody's ever waiting in the waiting room, um, and uh, so and the telemedicine is free too. There's no charge for. I just was actually. Texting a patient before we started this podcast, they're away on vacation and their daughter got hives. So I just sent in some medication to the pharmacy for her. They're away and uh, they didn't want to go to urgent care. So I just saved them $300 and going to urgent care. Um, I mean,
1: that's incredible. That, that's incredible. Yeah. That's what most people would do. Or, you know, if you live in a big city, there's a CVS. Um, minute clinic, <laughs> cl- minute clinic on every <laughs> That's corner. That is a minute. <laughs> yeah, and you just go in and you hope you get somebody who knows what the heck they're doing. That's right, um, right. With yeah. your kid, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, but to have their own doctor who knows them very well and and um, and your family uh, be able to do that while you're on vacation is is uh, it's almost unheard of nowadays um, yeah. for for a lot of Americans.
0: Right. A lot of them just, you know, the knee jerk is just go to the urgent care, you know, and mm-hmm. that thing, the urgent cares are not cheap. And that is true. I know what my co-pays are for our our policy um, for urgent care and our ER co-pays are even higher. And We have a my family is a five thousand dollar deductible. So um, a lot of families. Uh, DPC have high deductibles and they choose not to use their deductibles for affordable primary care services and just save, you know, the deductible, God forbid, there was a catastrophic issue. But anyway, back to the the charge. So um, that's what that monthly member, it's like access, you know, 24, seven people, we don't get paid 24, seven people are, you know, no to call for an emergency after hours and, you know, for, routine stuff during the day. And if somebody texts me at night for a refill, I just take care of it the next day. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on top of it, we, you know, we have the dispensary, which is really inexpensive um, generics and over-the-counter medications. I use the third largest wholesaler in the country that also supplies CVS and all the major um, pharmacy chains. So I can get even the same over-the-counter medications that you see when you walk into Rite Aid um, at wholesale. And then I also draw labs. Um, at uh, client bill prices, so like a CBC is five dollars, um, which is cheaper. I yeah, mean, that's, that's
1: your blood count, guys. So if, oh, yeah. you know, when you're going and you're just getting a basic blood count, uh, Say you feel like you're anemic, or it's just like kind on of a routine, just checking on your annual check, your kid's annual check. Um, that's that's what that is. Five dollars. Yeah. Five dollars. Yeah.
0: Um, we, we charge a five dollar draw fee, but <laughs> um, like yeah, at- well. <laughs> vitamin, vitamin D is a hot thing. The insurances don't like to pay for vitamin D, even though, you know, now with COVID, we know vitamin D is so important. Um, I mean, my husband had a vitamin D drawn a few years ago, and we got billed like $200 for it because we had met our deductible. I can draw a vitamin D for $17 in my office. Wow. Um, So that's on the higher end, but like hemoglobin A1Cs, they're about $5.96 and that's for diabetics who check their blood sugar every three months. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing we do is we've negotiated um, like client bill uh, wholesale deeply discounted imaging prices at our local imaging facility. Um, It's an independent freestanding and uh, I can get a CAT scan for $300, an MRI for 450, a chest x-ray for $40. an ultrasound of the thyroid for $175 and luckily our local one of our local hospital systems also is doing a great job and we'll talk about the transparent pricing that the hospitals are supposed to be posting that I know Free to Care is all yes. over this right now. Yeah. Um, we have one hospital system that there's they they finally got caught up but their prices are a lot higher than the other. And so I will comparison shop with my patients while they're in the room on the computer, if they want to cash pay, even when they have insurance. Um, And, uh, you know, it's taken, one hospital was ahead of the ball, uh, ahead of the game and had their transparent pricing posted before it was mandated. The other one has been a little bit slow, has caught up and their prices are not as good as, it's interesting because they're right next to each other and you think they would compete with their prices, but. Yeah. So yeah.
1: So that's interesting too. We've actually had a bill in Ohio for a few years now. Um, before um, b- before President Trump um, had a tr- price transparency rule um, uh, through HHS, Ohio lawmakers actually created a law that demanded transparency. And so we have it actually on the books. But the Ohio Hospital Association. Um, and the Ohio State Medical Association are fighting against the bill. Now, the the medical association does have some legitimate reasons. There are some um, some stipulations in the bill that are, are are going to make things a little bit tougher for ind- independent practices to actually do this in a way, um, you know, that that doesn't overburden them. Okay. Um, so that's what they're specifically fighting for. But the hospital systems themselves, they have all of the personnel that they need to be able to do this. There's absolutely no way um, it's overburdensome for huge hospital systems that are buying up community hospitals and independent practice one after another. um, They can't, you know, (laughs) print a list of how (laughs) much things cost. And we know know why they're <laughs> they're billing their
0: billing structure is so convoluted and so complicated. You can't tell me that they can't spend some um, time and resources on posting transparent prices. They put yes. a lot of work into making it complicated in other ways. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so they they yes. We all know that they um, that they can do
1: this. And yes. Uh, and so that's the simple and the, and the the thing that makes us so. Um, it, it, terribly frustrating for everybody. For one, the things that uh, that bring in the, the biggest revenue to hospitals or health systems are procedures. Mm-hmm. So anything that you you go and get your colonoscopy, um, you go and have a surgical procedure, um, you get sedated, for, you go and have an MRI or any kind of imaging. Those things, um, they, they can quote you a price on that pretty easily. I mean, and they, they would know what it is, based on what your insurance has negotiated, you know, with the hospital, they can tell you that ahead of time. And so a lot of, a lot of patients don't know that they can call and actually ask for that ahead of time Mm -hmm. um, or choose to go, you know, elsewhere to have it, have it done. But yeah, are you going to get the runaround right now? Absolutely. You're going to get people to I don't really know that you have to call this person and you will end up calling a thousand times um, before you actually get an, get, get an answer. Um, And so these are the things though, that we know how much they cost because that we know how much the hospital, they know how much they spend on the materials, the equipment, they know how much they pay their staff. They know how much they pay the surgeon um, and they know the average times they spend in the OR for this for a particular procedure so they can give you this information this is not a huge this is not this is this is this is information that the hospital is collecting already anyway Mm, that's right um so so it it, isn't it's not difficult as they're making it
0: and if they can come up with the cash price they obviously know what their cost is to do the procedure absolutely and they're still making a profit off the cash price yeah so i need a colonoscopy Um, soon and I'm due and, um, we haven't met our We haven't even touched our deductible this year. It's $5,000. And I was told how much it's like 2,500. If we do it through the insurance is going to go towards our deductible. Well, I can pay $1,100 cash and go. (laughs) And, and so I'm going to pay the $1,100. Why, why would I do what? Just to try and hit my deductible. I'd rather roll the dice, and if God forbid we have a catastrophic issue, then we hit the deductible. But yeah. I mean, chances are we're not going to hit it. So why would I spend twenty five hundred versus eleven hundred? And they're still making a profit off the eleven $1, hundred. Yes. So, yes, they are.
1: Yes, it just yes. doesn't
0: make. sense. It's like we're paying. I, I'm our premium, and my and I'm self disclosing. This is my family story, but it's a lot of family stories. It's very similar. And you know, nineteen hundred dollars a month for our, and I can't even use the insurance.
1: So uh, yeah, because deductible so high. So right. we have a, I, I have a question from um, one of the audience members. This is mother's mother mother knows mother best. Knows best. One of, she's she's one of my Twitter <laughs> followers. She's a Texan, I love her dearly. Uh-huh. Um, hi, Dr. Nikki. We need a national directory of these doctors. is oh. great info. So where can people go who want to find a direct primary care doctor?
0: Um, you can go to um, one of the places that has a lot of the doctor's practices is called uh, a website called DPC Mapper. It's the letters okay. DPC and then mapper.com. And then it pulls up a map of the United States and you can actually, you know, zoom in on your state and it has little dots and um, you can click on the practices in the area. Now, yeah. DPCmapper.com
1: DPC like all one word. Yep.
0: DPC mapper.com. Um, Now I do wanna, um, there are different kinds of DPC practices. There are some corporate versions that are not small independents. I represent the small independent practices because we're small businesses, we're the little guys out there rolling up our sleeves and working hard every day for our patients. And not the, the the big corporate ones are too, but they tend to work a lot um, with larger employer groups that are trying to save money. so the feels a little different. It's a little different in the the larger corporate DPC practices, but you can still get great care there too. Um, but um, there's about two thousand independent small DPC practices. Uh, we're in, you know we're super invested in what we do because there are there are businesses, and if we're not making our patients happy. Um, And doing what we're supposed to, then we won't have it. We won't have an office, right?
1: But you want to have food to eat. You have to feed your family too, right? So that's important. Well, it's very it's rewarding.
0: Yes, yes. My kids can't eat Lipton Cup of Soup all the time.
1: All right. I mean, but so you want, I mean, we, we all went into this to care for our patients and oh, we, want, it's we want them to be well, we want to yeah. keep them out of the hospital. Right. And then if they do yeah. have to go in the hospital, we want to make sure they, you know, get, get better and, um, and recover. And then we uh, prevent them from going back in the hospital. That's what we want. That's why we all became doctors or, okay. um, the things that they're sick. I want to, yeah, I want to get them better. So, um, the, the other pieces. So, there's different types of practices, like you said. Yeah, there's yeah. the independent direct primary care doctors, but there are some independent direct primary care um, uh, practices that take that uh, don't take insurance. Some oh, most do take insurance, like a hybrid. Yeah. How? To, like those are all all different, right? So, yeah, will they be able to find this information out yeah. using the mapper? You just yeah. kind of click on it and and uh, find out it, information about that practice. Right. The dots
0: are color coded based on whether it's a pure, pure DPC means no insurance and small independent practice. Okay. Um, And then the, there's a, I think the red ones are hybrid. And then I think the yellow ones are corporate. So you'll be able and when they, it takes them to their website, so they'll be able to tell. Um, And, you know, you can certainly direct any questions toward, to me, if anybody has any questions, I can help out because we all have a large network, we all talk to each other, all the DPC doctors. In fact, you know, sometimes when, and and this was uh, something that crossed my mind when this patient, uh, this mom texted me before this podcast started with her daughter, um, with the hives, uh, we have, I have on occasion called a DPC doctor in the state where a patient may be on business or on vacation and say, hey, can you take a look at my patient? And we do that for each other, so.
1: Oh, that is yeah. so cool. I mm-hmm. love that. I mean, just that collaborative nature of being a physician is like, mm-hmm. it's one of my favorite things too, because we learn from each other too, you yep. know, and just patients just get better care that way. Yeah, um, great. so kind of give, give, every, um, can you, are, are you able to give like a, a sort of an I could average, uh, membership fee or, you know, our monthly rate for people, yeah. um, like what's the, or even a range would help? Cause a lot of people ask me that question.
0: So it depends on the area, you know, overhead is different in urban and suburban areas versus rural areas. So you're going to see price variations, but they said the average, um, adult price is between 60 and 70 a month. Um, I'd say the average kid price um, and, you know, uh, you will discount if the adults are members, the kids get discounted. in a lot of the practices, okay. I've seen those ranges between 10 and 25 a month. Okay. Uh, so these because, are like
1: per per person. Per,
0: yeah, okay. per person. Okay. Got it. And I mean that, that uh, just saving, you know, I, I just, just the time and what I hear about the, what the parents like about having the kids is they, it's the same doctor that they're talking mm-hmm. to all the time. And they're not getting whoever is available for an appointment. Um, and that doctor, know, you know, you know my kids, and yeah. I'm getting you on the phone. And um, I know you can get them in the same day or the next day. I mean, how many times do a family doctor, we get these calls all the time. My kid needs a physical in the next week, you know? <laughs> yep. Yep.
1: Yep. They start sports or they're, they're doing yeah. summer camp and they yeah. need this particular thing yeah. documented. Yeah. Or school starting, whatever. Right. Yep. I
0: forget my, my kids go to a huge P and I love my pediatrician, but his practice is huge. We can never get in there in time. So like, these are the little things that, that 10, yeah. or 25 bucks a month. Um, the parents are like, that's totally worth it. You know? So. Yeah.
1: What you yep. know, doctor on your own kids? Come on, no. No, uh, <laughs> no, I will plead the Fifth Amendment on that one. <laughs> I don't. I don't do it. I d- I don't. I'm not my kids' pediatrician. I I, I refuse to do that. I'm mean, now look at things. You know, looking in the ears, listen to hearts, that kind of thing. And yeah. you know, if I'm really concerned about something, but uh, no, I don't manage Actually, them. I just can't their
0: throat, I will admit that. Yeah, instead of getting yeah, getting a- a- or no tight, especially yeah. if it's yeah. in the
1: middle of the night. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll, I'll take them in. I'll take First. them to the hospital because I don't keep an otoscope at home. I try oh, I try to have very little at home for me. Then you're it's not just, tempted. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I used to and yeah. I just like I just stopped like that that's not it it's just my my emotional level is just just too high and I don't it's make hard. the most you, sound decisions. Yeah. Ab- uh,
0: you can't remain objective
1: it's hard with your own family.
0: No doubt. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. Okay. So one other question, a lot of people. So, so you're a, a primary care doctor. So your family, family physician, you know, there's some internal medicine doctors who do this as well. Pediatrics yep. who do this type of a practice. What about the specialist? What about the surgeon? So if somebody wants a <sighs> practice like this, are, th- are those well, available? Keith Smith, a
0: surgery center mm-hmm. in Oklahoma is probably without, you know, he's not direct primary care. But mm-hmm. he's as close to our philosophy as they get.
1: Yes. Uh, and he, he, he's, he's uh, one I'm going to be, uh, I'm putting a request out, Keith, Dr. Smith. <laughs> um, I'm going to need you to come on and talk to me and talk to everybody about Surgery Center of Oklahoma. So and His uh, story
0: is amazing. Um, yes. And he met some obstacles in the beginning. But it was all about transparent pricing and selling his, the medical services of the surgeon's and the anesthesiologist in his surgery center for transparent pricing. And so, you know, the common core values are the same, even though he's not a direct primary care office, he's providing direct care at transparent pricing um, for the surgery aspect of it. So there there are surgery centers popping up around, you know, with transparent pricing and, or established ones are starting to post transparent cash prices. Um, but as far as like doctors' offices that do this, there are specialists doing it. And uh, rheumatology, mm-hmm. you know, Ellen McKnight in Florida. Um, there's a few others. Psychiatry, I think is start. It, we're starting oh, yeah. to see. That could be. huge. Yeah. Can you imagine if yeah. you ever, if you have a a chronic psychological issue or psychiatric issue, or your child does, having access for a monthly fee, it's hard
1: to get in to see a psychiatrist. Absolutely. It sure yeah. is. And, you know, and most of the insurance companies don't cover psych well anyway. Nope. Nope. So they, they don't, they'll, they'll, they'll cover, they'll reimburse if there's, you know, they're going to make an adjustment to your medication in that visit. And that's usually about 30 minutes of a visit, 90 or 45 minutes, not a long visit at all. No they'll reimburse for that. But the kind of the, the therapy, that part of it, they don't really cover much. No. So the people are paying most of that out of pocket anyway. So that would be fantastic.
0: There, this is the other common complaint, or their insurance limits them to a certain amount of their, of uh, counseling visits with a psychologist, yep. and then there's a huge copay with it. Co- uh, psychology is another, you know, place where you could see this kind of subscription model, where you know you purchase this, and they could even say ten visits is going to cost you this much. Yeah, I um, mean, like my orthodontist, I paid a yes. lump sum for my kids' braces, yep. and they were popping wires and brackets were coming off. That was all included with that lump sum. That's almost like yes. a direct care orthopedic orthodonture yeah. model. So why couldn't this apply to other things? Um, Absolutely.
1: Now some specialists.
0: That's a great.
1: That's a really great example that a lot of people can relate to having kids Mm -hmm. um, who need who need braces or some orthodontic, you know, appliance. Because a lot of these places, they want to know that you can pay it, and they will offer you a payment plan, or if you have like a savings account. Um, you can pay one lump sum and you get a little bit of a discount. Um, mm-hmm. You pay with credit card, you can get a little bit of a discount. Got more than one kid in the practice. So they've been yeah. doing this a really long time and running their practices. A um, lot longer than we have. And you can use your yeah. HSA for that money.
0: Yep, That's another yep. thing, right? Yep. <laughs> yes, yes,
1: you can. Yes, you yep. can. And I've, I've used that. That's a, the other piece of this angle that we haven't um, talked about on the podcast yet, but we'll be getting there. Okay. Um, too. But definitely having a healthcare savings account is a way to save money for your medical care. It rolls over every year and it's tax-free money um, and it's your money that you're earning. Um, If you are currently the way it's set up, if you are employed and your insurance is um, sponsored by your employer, you you get a high deductible health plan and you can associate that with a, a, a bank that then takes uh, whatever amount of money that you decide you wanna spend up to a maximum per year, um, plus whatever your, empl- your employer or percentage that your employer contributes. And then that money you can keep and it rolls over from year to year and you can use that and pay lump sum for um, for your medical care. And if, if you lose that employer-sponsored insurance, you still have that money saved up, but you'd have to get another um, employer that would sponsor you the way it is now. You can't just go and say, Hey, I want an HSA and I want to start putting my money um, into a healthcare savings account. And then right now we still have the problem with direct primary care, correct? That because it's a membership fee, you're not allowed to take money from an HSA. Can you, can you expand on that a little bit? Well um, the last administration passed uh, a
0: rule where you could use your HRA, which is like an HSA, but it's employer-sponsored. Um, the uh, HSA met some resistance from IRS, and I'm on the board of DPC Action. So for three years, we went back and forth to D.C. over 20 times. We met with IRS. We met with their tax attorneys. And um, unfortunately, a lot of those attorneys were um, in um, involved with the Affordable Care Act, and some of them actually with the drafting of it. And really couldn't understand how we're not an insurance plan. And you know, we went back and forth for a long time um, trying to explain we're not an insurance plan. We don't underwrite people's chronic conditions. Pre-existing conditions don't exist in direct primary care. We don't we don't ask people what their chronic conditions are when they sign up. They sign up and we start taking care of them. So that doesn't preclude or cost more because somebody has five chronic conditions. So we're not an insurance plan, we're a subscription model. That's anyway, the right. um, Life Administration had passed an executive order asking the IRS to clarify that HSA's health savings accounts could pay for a direct primary care medical service fees. And we almost got across the finish line, <laughs> um, but not quite. We, um, we definitely have the attention of um, you know, the, the country and um, the industry because we are, it is succeeding and patients are happy and it's an affordable way to get good primary care. So hopefully, you know, um, right now things are quiet. Um, you know, we're going to pick up that ball and start running with it again. So we, you know, do we have patients paying with their HSAs? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We tell Mm -hmm. them to talk to their accountant and their lawyers about it, and um, you know it's it's really their decision. We just make sure we tell them we can't advise for or against it. That they have to talk to their professionals about it.
1: Okay. All right. That's a bunch. Let me just make sure there are no more questions. I mean, because we could talk about, I mean, I could talk about this forever with you um, because I I just, I'm just so excited about this and um, about DPC period um, and what's, you you know, seeing the growth of it across the country. um, It just is like, it's just an amazing way to get care. And it just is inspirational to see doctors like you actually being doctors and enjoying It again, and you know, um, enjoying that what we went to medical school for—to actually really care for people and interact with people in that this intimate way, and really kind of and really help them prevent disease. And um, and we we know that primary care is is key to helping people to not only um, prevent illness i mean stay out of the hospital but also to kind of to keep them going and sustain their health and then then connect them to other specialties that they need um so you're you're really the gatekeepers of medicine um and uh and to be able to do it this way and to give people what they need as such an affordable way in such an affordable way um and uh a a way that just makes it so much more convenient for people it's just it's great it's so it's it's so exciting for me to share this has been one episode that i've just been so ecstatic uh, you know about showing um people Um, so everybody out there listening, spread the word, please (laughs) let people know what this is about. Mother knows best Yeah, she found one in her town. (laughs) She used the mapper. So excited. So of the universe, we all know that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Right. So anything else? you want to tell us, I mean, you know, a, a good story, a success story or something that you want to well, share, like maybe from this week, last week, whatever, even through the, the pandemic, yeah. something that just kind of gives people some hope um, that yeah. medicine and medical care is affordable.
0: I think uh, the pandemic, you know, I kind of honkered down um, and just focused on keeping my patients out of the hospital during this pandemic, not just mm-hmm. from COVID, but from other chronic conditions going awry because we all had, we all saw that happen. Um, so I, I really think, um, that this pandemic showed the importance of good primary care because, uh, it not only COVID was not only the, obviously the, the big worry, but the care of other chronic and acute issues, they were happening regardless of COVID and, um, we couldn't let those get out of control. And and so I think that's where the primary care part, you know, was really important during this pandemic and having people having access to me and to my time and, you know, talking them through their anxiety, the, the loss of loved ones, their kids having to go to telemedicine and all the stress induced with that loss of jobs, working from home, um, it, it, that that poured into the primary care office. and. Um, so DPC was wonderful that way because I really could spend the time with the patients. One case I do wanna mention, which was incredible. So you know they don't let us do, in, in the insurance world, you can't do annual EKGs anymore. Insurance won't pay for it unless there's a diagnosis attached to it. I was trained, you do an annual EKG on everybody. Yeah. Just to have a baseline in case they come in with palpitations or chest pain, you can, um, you can compare it. EKGs cost like $60 to run in the office for the paper. Um, I still do them because I can, because I'm direct primary care and I'm not billing the insurance companies. I had a patient come in in July for his physical and I did an EKG on him and I pulled up his old one to compare it. And I was like, oh, there's a change. <laughs> and I said, had, did you have chest pain in the past week or so? Or in the past few months? He goes, well, actually last weekend I did, but I just thought it was a reflux. And I said, really? I said, "How long did it last?" He goes, "A couple days." I said, "What did you do for it?" He goes, "I popped some Tums. He goes, "But I kept up my activity. I I was on my roof, reshingling my roof." And I'm like, "Ooh." <laughs> and I said, "Well, <laughs> uh, I'll be right back." So I called cardiology. I have a great relation, and this is the other thing we do. I, you know, specialists. I'll call the specialist right in front of the patient in the mm-hmm. room, and mm-hmm. I call. I called cardiology. I said, "I'm faxing two EKGs over to you." tell me if you're thinking what I'm thinking. And they're like, yes, we're thinking what you're thinking. He had had an MI, he had had a heart attack.
1: He didn't even
0: know it. So so I immediately get him and cardiology said, send him over. He went over that afternoon. This is an independent cardiology group that I work with who are awesome. And um, he has no insurance, the patient, and they did cash pay office visit, cash pay uh, stress test, which was um, like $250. And sure enough, uh, he had a calf cash pay and sure enough, he had uh, almost a hundred percent occlusion of one of them. Yep. Oh my gosh. So the wow. hospital worked with him and got him uh, charity care to have a bypass done man, right in the middle of the pandemic. Yep. So, wow.
1: And if yeah. he hadn't come to see you. For his physical, yeah. For his and physical. I, and I had one done you, the EKG. that and you hadn't done the EKG, that wouldn't have been called now. And right. like I, I know there's still my my internist um works through the hospital system, so that's where I get my health care. And um, he does still do it. He's he's that's he's a, he's an old school doctor and he it, still does it. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, does insurance pay for it? You know, no, no, not really. Um, and especially with somebody who's young with no risk factors, uh you know, they of course not. Um, really but scary. he still does it anyway. Yeah. And right there in his office, interprets it right there in front of me and all of that. And so but that I mean, that's amazing. If you hadn't done that, hadn't gotten the history um, and put the two together and then had that connection. This well, guy could have killed over the next time he got up he, on his roof. He didn't even <laughs> tell me he had chest pain in the yeah. history. Yeah. I-
0: he, did, I did went through the whole history before you know well, before doing the history before I started the physical. He never told me. He just thought it was heartburn, so he didn't even mention it until I looked at wow. the EKG and I was like, um, <laughs> "Did you have some
1: chest pain in the past couple of weeks?" Gosh, yeah. Wow! Yeah. I mean, if you had not done that EKG, he could have that's died. It, yeah, he could have died. So- yeah. I mean, so that's amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love yeah, that. Was a, that was a good one. Thanks. Yeah.
0: <laughs> all right. But you know, it's like I, my heart skips when that happens and I, it's not like I pat myself on the back. I'm like, Oh my God. You know, yes. What yeah. would, you know, I caught that Thank God, what if I hadn't caught that? You know, that, that's, Yeah.
1: all those I, things run through your mind. Yeah. Like <laughs> all the what ifs. Yeah. Well, that's life, amazing. Every life matters. That that is so true. I mean, they. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, everybody who walks through that door, um, you know, we care about. Them. We want them. We want them well. We, yeah, and we, we take too. it personally for sure. Yes, we do. So, bring medicine back.
0: Patient yeah, and the doctor.
1: <laughs> yep. It's like we always say here on Free to Care the podcast: medicine is personal. It is not partisan. These are yeah. solutions that cross the political lines. Um, this is not something that. Um, uh, that uh, Democrats fight for and Republicans don't or vice versa. Um, but it is a way to get back, um, <laughs> your healthcare choices and your healthcare freedom and mm. for doctors to have their, their, their freedom to practice again. So Dr. Korva, thank you so much, Kim, for wow. coming on. Thanks for having uh, me. Blessing yes. me with your presence. I love it. Oh. I know you just get, get, uh, Go connect with their family and the dogs and the cats and yeah, everything. You can probably hear can them barking in your in the time. We're very after upset your busy on- day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Okay. And Nikki, I haven't seen you in a while since we were in I I I guess, DC, what, like two and a half, three years ago. So you look good. Yeah. Pretty- I'm glad uh, you're well. I'm glad you're well. Thank you for having me on. You too. Good night. You too. <laughs> good luck. Kisses and hugs.
1: Okay. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. All right, guys, just closing up a little bit. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is one of my favorite um, episodes so far. And um, I just the more of this is to come uh, all of the ways that we could talk about to get you um, lower cost healthcare care next uh, week. Um, we will be doing, I believe it's next week. I'm losing my, my mind, but I think it is. Yeah, on the 18th Friday at 8 p.m. We're going to be talking about the pharmacy benefit managers and how to get lower costs of your medications, your supplies. We're going to be like really reining in on the big health cartel. Um, so we want, um, I want you guys all to join me, share this podcast, share it from YouTube, share it from LibreTV.co. Um, just spread the word, spread all the information out there. Go find yourself a direct primary care doctor or surgeon or specialist, um, in this, in, the, your local city using that DPCMapper.com. That's there. Um, also, uh, check out, uh, Saul G tomorrow on LibreTV.co. He is going to be doing, um, uh, his, uh, comic, comic show about, um, uh, hopefully, we're going to be talking about the new, the new Loki uh, show tomorrow at 7 p.m. And Corey, we're not sure if we're going to get a live, corrected felon or not, but God bless you and um, safe travels and, and you and your wife dealing with your tragedies there. Um, but yeah, I'll be back next week on all the LibreTV.co family uh, wishes you a good night and a wonderful weekend. And... Uh, check us out free to care that o r g